uh, main is number to take the first step. So if you don't take the step, you will always just keep thinking, I, you know, shoulda, woulda, all those kind of things. I should have done this. I, you know, I would have done this. And so I think you have to take the first step, but at the same time, and then after that, you have to be very flexible, and you have to be persistent. You know, don't give up and just keep meandering through because it's going to be a roller coaster ride. One day you'll feel high, next day you'll feel low because you were expecting customer to sign up, they don't sign up. You're expecting an investor to invest in, they don't invest or things like that. But Everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of uh, Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, and we're always here, here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Naveen Bisht. And uh, Naveen, this is a, a quick introduction, so went to the high school in the Himalayas, um, did an undergraduate in engineering and then came to the U.S. to do study a master's and I think at least started or got a PhD at uh, Santa Barbara as well. Worked in Silicon Valley for about four years and wanted to do a startup. So started a software security company with a friend for about three years. And then they sold off to Novell um, right at, uh, in the in the, ni- in the 1990s and uh, then started another company. Um, invested in some other companies, and then also started uh, recently a company in cybersecurity. And he'll give a bit more details as to what he's doing now. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Naveen. Thank you. Thank you, Devin. I'm really excited to be here and share my journey or any other questions you may have. Absolutely. Excited to have you on. So I just gave a quick run through of a much longer journey. So why don't we take a, go back in time a bit, tell us a little bit about uh, going to high school and uh, Himalayas and how your journey got started there. Yeah, that's a very good, you know, uh, the part of Himalaya that I grew up in, it's a beautiful area. It's about 7,000 feet of ocean level, small town, uh, nice, beautiful. I call it mini Lake Tahoe. Well, the place is called Nainital. N-A-I-N-I-T-A-L, for those who are interested, who love to travel around the world, they can check it out. There's a lot of beautiful lakes, hiking, etc. So, you know, after my high school, usually, so I decided to, I went to one of the, one of the top six schools in those days, which is to one of the uh, pretty high ranked up schools called Virla Institute of Technology and Science, to my undergrad in mechanical engineering, master's in chemistry, it was a dual degree program, and then I came here to do my master's. Uh, and uh, one, got, just one question for you, just as, as you know, as, before we dive, uh, dive too far into your journey. So got the undergraduate in engineering and uh, and doing that. What made you decide to come to the U.S. To, to study your master's? Was it great programs? Always wanted to live in the U.S., you know, got a you know good opportunity or kind of what what pulled you to the U.S.? Yeah, very good question, Devin. Um, actually, to be honest, uh, you know, when I from high school, I, I call it like when you look at my journeys just dots that started happening and they connected if you look back in hindsight so from high school i ended up being in one of these top schools and i never had thought of coming here or anything like that but i noticed um, a lot of folks uh, you know wanted to come and pursue their graduate studies because obviously u.s institutions are um, you know they're obviously the top top of the schools in the world in terms of new research and um, you know for your further studies and so everyone still today and everyone loves to come here and study so that was just like a lot of my Classmates, they were applying, and so same thing. I thought, oh, you know, I'm not ready to work yet <laughs> right after school, so let me apply for some graduate programs. I ended up being here. No, it makes sense. And so, 
So now you, you say, okay, I'm going to come to the U.S. I think that's where the opportunity and where I'd like to study and do the master's. And so you come do the master's, and I think you started a PhD, is that right? Or did a PhD? Yes. Yeah, I got my master's degree at Texas Tech University. And then um, actually before that, I, I landed up in Minnesota at Minnesota State University. I mean, I spent a year there, beautiful place, you know, that, you know learned right in the heart of uh, middle of the United States. It's, you know, heartland, as you call it. And so it was, it was a very good experience, lots of good friends. And from there, uh, then I just decided to move to Texas Tech to get the master's degree there. And so felt that was still, you know, more comprehensive program from what I was trying to accomplish. And from, I just spent a year there, got my degree, and then I applied to two schools at USC and UC Santa Barbara. And UC Santa Barbara looked beautiful right on the beach. And they sent me this, you know, the Regents Fellowship and, you know, the assistance. So I ended up being there. So I spent a year there, for PhD program, and then I realized, um, you know, I wanted to go do a little, uh, like, internship for three months and then decided, uh, you know, I wanted to take a break. So I wasn't sure, uh, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, at least get some industry experience. I had been in the college for almost nine years. So uh, from there, I ended up being in Silicon Valley and just then didn't go back. I mean, even though I think I could have gotten another master's degree, but that was fine. Well, and that makes sense. So yeah. you get the degree coming out of school. Um, you know, how did you kind of land the the first uh, first position and you know what or what made you to go or go or go towards that uh, that that initial position yeah so the position was just like you know through networking i decided in summer uh you know just through some friends who were here in bay area just contacts from me here and there so one of my friends just called me one day and said hey we have a new position for this process engineering and i had this background in you know, uh, engineering as well as uh, math, computer science, and statistics background. Just that they needed some uh, something in that area, and so I interviewed with them, and they offered me a job. So that's kind of I just ended up being here. Hmm. All right. So now, and so you, you, you know, you, and I think when we talked before, you worked in Silicon Valley for about four years before you kind of got the startup entrepreneurial bug and wanted to do your own thing and so you started a software security company with a friend is that right yeah yeah so basically you know as um, once you come to silicon valley i feel um the environment is so stimulating right just the kind of people you meet from all the company i joined was a startup itself just two years old but they were growing doing well so you kind of see learn how they're you know adding up these customers creating these products so it's kind of exciting. And then also, I just felt like I wanted to do something on my own. And I guess sometimes when you're by yourself, since I'm the first one, I just landed up in U.S. and not like, you know, it was planned. Just, and I've, so there's no restriction, right? Like sometimes when you have family, peer pressure, okay, go work, don't go jump into the startups, risky and all that. So I had no, I call it fear of that. <laughs> so, and I felt like, why not just try it out and see what happens. So. I worked at two companies, like I said, one company, three years, second company for two years, uh, which was to get experience working with a lot of customers. So that also gave me a lot of exposure because this was in those days, they were building this magnetic hedge for the disk drives and they used to do a lot of manufacturing in forests like Thailand, Malaysia. So I used to travel a lot with the customers. So that, that was a very good experience right early on. Right? So, but then after two years of you know having this experience with the customers, I realized Okay, I got the customer side experience on the supplier side. I had worked in the earlier on in the process engineering. I felt I kind of got a good uh, deal on how I can deal with the customers. 
And so that's when I decided I wanted to start something and I wanted to start something in software area, Quebec. No, it makes sense. So yeah. now you get into the, okay, I'm going to do software, I'm going to do the startup, going to do the software, you know, yeah. cybersecurity, doing it with my friend, think it's a good opportunity. So, you know, was that, that was, or how did that go? I mean, at one point, I think when we talked, you got acquired by Nobel after a yeah. few years of doing it. Was that a good thing? Was it uh, one where, you know, was a great uh, opportunity and you're glad you did it? Or was it, hey, we got in after three years, we didn't want to be an entrepreneur anymore, so we sold it for what we could or kind of, how did it go? No, it, it went very well. I mean, the first, obviously the idea was at that point, um, you know, back in mid 90s, around 95, this whole internet thing started at that point. You know, there was a company called Netscape, which came out of this browser. And obviously today, most of the folks use Chrome and Firefox and uh, Explorer, right? But then Netscape was the number of first company. And with that, this whole thing started like as if this new horizon, you know, this whole internet thing could do so many things. So we, me and my friend who was in school with me in Santa Barbara, and he was working actually at Novell itself, and, and he had a good background in networking, we decided we should do something in that area. And so we just picked up this problem of that few, the two issues which in order to use utilize the internet was the access as well as security. So we focused on the security part and we created this firewall product with the PaaS software. In fact, we got 12 patents also in three years. It is uh, some angel money. And then we decided we we're getting these offers to acquire. We had tons of awards for the company, top, um, you know, hot startup, top products, all those number of awards we raked in. We had about 400 customers, couple of these OEM deals. We were working on one of them was in Novell. And in the process, they, and also, you know, they said, hey, how about you be part of this one? And we felt that was a good decision and also good for us first to think it very fast. Uh, I mean, fast meaning obviously three years, but still, uh, you know, for us as entrepreneurs, I think, get some security under the belt, I call it, right? Overall, financially and otherwise. Mm, no, it makes sense. So, so you sell it off to Novell, you know, that's your kind of your first startup, you're doing it with your business partner. So kind of after your getting done with, you know, after you sold off your first company and you're, you're, you know, just at the turn of the century and coming into the 2000s, you know, what did you do next? Were you saying, hey, love startups, I'm going to do my next big business and I got a great idea and I'm going to do that. Or, hey, startups are hard, just put in, you know, several years into doing that, I'm going to take a break or kind of, what was that next step after selling off the, the first uh, startup you did? Yeah, I mean, obviously, once you get into the startup mode and you're still pretty young enough, so, you know, you feel like, okay, you want to do something again more exciting. So I did take a break of six, seven months. And then in the process, we set up a small angel fund with another friend. And we did make a number of these angel investments. And then I started the second company called Nina Networks, which was focused on this hot trend, which is coming in at that point, optical networking. And obviously, since I had had a great success right up, right, you know, several months ago. So we got the venture funding right off the bat, you know, uh, about 15 million and we got started with the team and that was my second startup which went through obviously a lot of roller coaster right because then telecom all this internet thing busted in 2001 to 2003 four time period so we had to survive but luckily we had raised enough money um, because before the whole market collapsed in 2001 December we had raised another 40 million so we kind of survived through the whole team of uh, even though we had built the whole Came to over 150 people also within a year, then we had to kind of cut down and manage through the whole process. No, it makes sense. So, so now you do you're, you're doing all that, and I think amidst all of that, you started the other company. You also invested in other companies for a period of time. 
yes, for a few years, because just on the side, you know, it's like kind of angel investments and, uh, you know, working in a number of entrepreneurs. So that's what I did. And there's another learning, lots of learning experience. And obviously it's fun always to work with uh, you know, a lot of these smart folks. And obviously you learn a lot because a lot of them go bust. <laughs> and then uh, some of them obviously do very well. So it was a great uh, experience uh, from both sides. So now, and just to kind of give an idea, you know, did you, you know, invest in one company and, you know, it was a, a, a terrible, you know, thing that you would never do again, or you invest in multiple companies and some were good, some were hit or miss, or kind of, you know, what level did you get into in investing other companies and uh, working with them and helping them out? So earlier, it was more because I was busy with my own startup, but it was more like some people use us help as an advisor, but really I wasn't actively involved with any of those, right? It was just angel investments like a lot of folks do today. And so number of companies, most of the companies busted because what happened was that whole, that 2001 to five time period, like I said, that telecom internet burst, even a lot of companies went back from the large companies like WorldCom, I don't know if you remember. So there used to be a telecommunications carrier. And so uh, there were good few companies who survived through and they did very well. And some a number of them, even though they were very well funded, they also closed. So, so it was a mix of whole experience, whether do or not. Um, you know, like I said, if that's the thing happens in annual investment anyway. Not necessarily all of them will work out. And at the same time, what you think, um, you know, what you're investing in may turn out to be totally different than how that company builds out, and they can be still be very successful. Makes sense. And uh, sounds like it's a, you know, fun part. I always see, you know, always look and I, I love startups and small businesses. So I always, you know, wanted to always have the desire to do it on my own, but I also think it'd be fun to be able to get in the mode of investing in others and seeing if you can help them yeah. to grow the company and make it better and, and, and then play that role as well. So now as you went through that phase and, you know, you kind of did the other startup, you're investing in their companies, I think pulling it a, a, a bit uh, towards the future, towards a, the present day, you know, at some point, I think your your current business you're doing a, again, kind of in the cybersecurity realm or in <laughs> in security. So, how did you kind of make that transition, and how did uh, that kind of uh, bring you to where you're at today? I mean, in uh, in majority of mine was still doing startups on my own, not like really investing, investing. So, just to be clear, right? There was just more like a side, think of a little bit of a hobby kind of a thing. So still, I was doing my startup. And then after the second one, after 2007, I had left because we had turned it public through, you know, and then um, I started another, I helped another small company in security space. Then we had this 2008 bust, right? Then uh, me and my current VP of engineering in the current company, Akitra, which is a cybersecurity compliance, um, automation, AI-based and cloud-based company. So I had started with him in back in 2012 to do something like, I call it, um, you know, uh, the real-time uh, mobile infrastructure platform for e-commerce, and which we built up the product to where uh, within, the, uh, within about two and a half years, and we decided we should sell the company. We had just bootstrapped it, me and him and a few other folks, and then we sold it up to another private company. And that's when I started the current company called Akitra. And in between, you know, I have done like other, I have a, another service company, uh, service meaning software development services company back in 2011 called Orange Technologies. I co-founded with a base in India to provide this, uh, development from there because these days, you know, even finding the talented folks not only is hard here as well as they're very expensive. So in the early phases of startups, you have to kind of, you have only a certain amount of money. So you want to be able to 
manage it very economically and be able to deliver your product, right? And then, of course, later on, you kind of start adding up globally uh, as you get the traction with the customers and you raise more capital to expand on that. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of the story. And this current company back in 2015, um, you know, started looking into it. The idea was to use artificial intelligence to um, basically to the cyber cybersecurity use cases. So I felt this will be a great um, area and there was a huge you know tra a huge trend going on then how ai can help which obviously today is very obvious with so many companies being very successful in that area so now and that was you mentioned 2015 2016 so now kind of you know fast forwarding a bit to today where does that put the company is it still going is it successful is it becoming bigger are you getting traction is it one where it's been ups and downs and you're trying to figure out where the plate or how to position it or kind of give everybody an idea of kind of where that where that puts it everything today yeah this no this is going pretty good so back like i said in the early on couple of years i just spent time to figure out what area how to focus and experimenting right that's what you do uh, especially in these high-tech startups and then back in 2017 onwards now right now you know we're about 40 folks and it's a early stages of, uh, you know, and so we have very good, um, you know, traction coming with the customers in the products. We're delivering these compliance automation products for uh, cloud services companies, as well as the cybersecurity product line for asset management and discovery using AI to detect the anomalies or the, you know, threats, etc. So it's very good. We're really excited. I'm really excited about it. Very good mark, product market fit and really enjoying it and just you know, continue to help grow it. Awesome. Well, that's definitely exciting that, you know, you know, it's always interesting. You do your first startup and if you do subsequent ones is, Hey, was that, you know, my one off the one that I'm going to be successful with and I, you know, not to be repeated or can you successfully do or start and grow different companies? It sounds like certainly the latter for you, which is uh, definitely exciting. So yeah. Well, as we as we kind of, you know, bring that to to the where you're at today and, uh, you know, kind of what your journey has been along, um, it's a great point to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of the, the podcast. Um, and just as a heads up for the audience, after we uh, wrap up the normal portion of the episode, we are also doing um, a bonus question where we talk a little bit about intellectual property. So if that's of interest, make sure to stay, uh, stay tuned after um, the normal episode to hear that uh, conversation as well. But before we jump to that... Um, Normal two questions I ask at the end of each podcast. We'll jump to the first one, which is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? So um, the way, let me um, answer the worst decision wise. Um, the question, number one. So uh, by the way, I have a blog. I used to write for this uh, entrepreneur focused magazine back in 2011 to 15. It's just called 4kta.com. So there are a lot of these articles I've written around entrepreneurship. 4KTA stands for four key takeaway points. So basically, you know, I, I think you might have also heard whenever you do a slide presentation, they say, don't go more than three or four points. People are not going to remember. So that's how I came up with that idea. So I have this website, which I haven't updated recently, but I may do it at some point. But it has a lot of this information of my own learnings. So one of the thing in that is like when you say talk about worst decision. So I've written my own journey from these companies, what I've gone through. And, and so, which obviously I feel very lucky and fortunate to have been able to do that is one of the first topic was how do you, when you get started, how do you form your team, right? So in team formation, I call it there are four, four basic these KTAs, right? Four key takeaway points. One is chemistry between the other co-founders. Second is having the trust and third is skill set and adaptability. Fourth is positive attitude and positive energy. I feel like 
these kind of make make up the part of your team because you want to make sure uh, you know let's say if i'm starting a company mostly in high tech you will always generally you have co-founders right or the early team members who are complementing you in their skill sets and one of the things like for example i talk about in how do you detect it early on because you don't have much data that uh, you know how whether this person is right or not right so many times what happens is i look at very small cues let's say you're early on you're starting and you you have the person say hey let's meet tomorrow and if the person does he does he or she they, they want to meet you right away or not or they say okay no let's meet out two days so you kind of start looking for these clues right so the worst decision going back to all these topics is mainly me not following my own decision those kind of my learnings and criteria in my later part of some other startup. So that's what I would call it. Most is not to follow your own learnings and the advice you, you're imparting, right? And, no, I, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what, I mean, if you, obviously, if your audience is interested, they can go to that 4kta.com, see a lot of articles and they can, and obviously there's a lot of material on the internet by other highly successful entrepreneurs too. And second question you had was, yeah, that was a great question, a great answer on the first question. Definitely insightful on the mistakes, but also kind of what you learn from it. Second question I always ask is, if you uh, were talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Well, uh, the key piece of advice is, I would say, the uh, uh, main is number to take the first step. So if you don't take the step, you will always just keep thinking, I, you know, should I, would I, all those kind of things. I should have done this, I, you know, I would have done this and... So I think you have to take the first step, but at the same time, and then after that, you have to be very flexible and you have to be persistent, you know, don't give up and just keep meandering through because it's going to be a roller coaster ride. One day you'll feel high, next day you'll feel low because you were expecting customer to sign up, they don't sign up, you're expecting an investor to invest in, they don't invest or things like that. But uh, so that's that would be my um, advice. And like also keep listening to, like podcast you're doing, right? For example, this is amazing because you're bringing in all these entrepreneurs, sharing their different nuances of their lessons and successes. And even I do a like monthly virtual story for a nonprofit or, or called My Story, where I'm bringing these entrepreneurs into this, sold their company 100 million plus. They share one hour journey in, this is a local organization called Thai Silicon Valley, thaisv.org. So they have this My Story I just did a few weeks ago. I'll be doing it again. Same thing like, so what that does is I think they become, they're very inspirational and plus you learn a lot of these real pragmatic, um, uh, and, you know, advice and nuances which you want to read anywhere in the books, right? So, because every startup you have basic things, okay, write a business plan, these are the uh, eight, nine things you got to do. But the thing is when you go through a journey, there are a lot of nuances which you want, which you have to kind of experience or learn it from others' experiences. So I think I would say, just, uh, you know, don't give up, but take the next, take this first step and then keep listening to inspiring talks like yours and others. There are so many of them. That's, that would be my advice. No, and I think that's great advice. I mean, I think a lot of times there's, it's easy to make excuses as to why now is not the right timing or yeah. why you need something else or you don't have the right resources. And yet taking that first step, getting it going and, and getting things kicked off is, does more to lead you towards success than, you know, any amount of, planning or thinking it through or, you know, otherwise getting things in yeah. place. I think just taking that initial plunge is a great uh, piece of advice. So, well, as we wrap up and before we talk about the the bonus question, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a client, they want to be a customer, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more. 
Yeah, best. I mean, they can connect me on LinkedIn. Naveen best. I mean, that's how we connected, Devin. And then uh, obviously for my current company, they are interested. You know, they are they are entrepreneur. They are selling any software as a service kind of services. So they can come to akitra.com, A-K-I-T-R-A.com. And as uh, you can see, I can help them. Obviously, I'd love to help them out as an entrepreneur in their early stages of the company. They need all these requirements do these compliance requirements for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and HIPAA, which are required for selling into those kind of customer bases. And if you want to learn more, 4KTA.com, attend my stories, attend yours. <laughs> That's it. Awesome. Well, definitely uh, great ways to connect and definitely encourage everybody to do so. Well, with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, uh, just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Want make sure to uh, click subscribe so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out and leave us a review so everybody else can find all of our awesome episodes as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else along your journey, feel free to reach out to us. Just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some, grab some time with us to chat. With that, now that we've uh, wrapped up the, the you know the, the normal portion of the episode, it's always fun to change gears a bit and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the area that I always find or love and enjoy, and uh, certainly a passion of mine, which is intellectual property. So with that, we'll uh, flip the flip gears just a bit and turn it over to you to ask your uh, number one intellectual property question. Yeah, so uh, that's a very good, uh, uh, Devin. And I've been like I said, every startup I have always filed for patents. And that's how I think we also had a discussion earlier. Um, so uh, my question would be is how do you have, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs, I mean, a lot of your listeners obviously who are entrepreneurs to help them, uh, you know, help them, <coughs> excuse me, help them uh, provide the value of filing this whole, uh, you know, the patent process and everything at a, in a very cost-effective way because, that's one of the things because patents that many many folks don't file for it because they know it's going to be very costly. Some, so I think you're doing a pretty good job. Maybe it might be great to. Yeah, no, it's a great it's a great question. Now I get to self promote just a bit, but no, it's uh so you know a few things that we do, and you know I I wouldn't claim that we are the only ones, but I think we do it pretty well. Is one is we always offer flat fees, which is nice for any startup or small business. That you're not on an hourly, you're not at an open end check, and you know, hey, we're going to do this. This is how much we cost. Another thing that we do is that we also, you know, we have nice offices, but we don't have the downtown high rise immaculate offices that are costing a lot of overhead. We don't have a lot of partners that are eating into a lot of profitability and increasing rates. And with all of that, it allows us to offer more effective or competitive rates. So provide the same quality, but at, you know, a more competitive rates couple more things that we've we've implemented is one is we also um, offer a payment plan so you know, we allow for our flat fees that you can split it up over four payments over four months and so it allows to spread out that cost of it so it's not quite as uh you know sticker shock in the wallet because you're having to pay for it all up front you're not having to pay for a sizable bill so you know how much it's going to cost with the flat fee and then you know how much it's going or that you can split it up over a few months the last thing that we've more recently uh, rolled out, which I'm are, are pretty excited about, is we also do a DIY, what we're calling Snap Legal, which is a DIY legal service um, that allows people to, you know, if they're not able to, and I still highly recommend um, doing uh, doing the um, hiring an attorney and having them do it because they're going to have the greatest level of experience. But we also get 
if you're early enough stage and maybe you're very cash strapped or you have a lot of things demanding your budget, you may not always be able to afford an attorney. So we set up the, for several of our different legal services that there's a DIY option where people can do it themselves and go down that route. So it allows them to say, you know, a lot of times is, hey, let's get this going, get something in place, allow you to at least get things kicked off and have a degree of protection. And then as you grow and as you get bigger and, and have an ability to afford an attorney, then you can go in uh, and actually hire an attorney to um, continue on with your portfolio. So great question. I love it. And that is one where we definitely try and do a lot to because we're always help, looking to help startups and small businesses. And that's a few of the ways that we try and look to say for small businesses, startups, and people that are on a shoestring budget or just getting started, what can we do to help them? So with that, Appreciate the question. Appreciate the time and sharing your journey. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up for today and wish you the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you, David. And it's good to be here. And obviously, we'll be in touch. Talk to you soon. 